Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Feeling good so far, eh? Well, that's good, because uh, we're going to have a good time uh, looking at the Word of God today. And uh, we'll be in Mark 11, if you want to know where we're going. We're in this series called The Final Act, and we're looking at every day of the last week of Jesus' life. We've gone through Sunday, got through Monday, today's Tuesday in the last week. But we're, we're going to talk about the authority challenge today. But first, let's put up that verse that um, I'm having you read every week. I do one about every five months, so you kind of get a good idea of a verse. Hopefully, you memorize it. But would you read this out loud with me? Count to three. Everybody say it together. Yeah? Okay, here we go. One, two, three. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Now, leave it up there for a second for me, guys. Remember, we've already taken this that uh, perfect means mature. The word love is agape. It's God's love choosing the highest good for others and for yourself. Um, and it's like a love feast idea. The word fear, phobos, like phobia kind of idea. But here's what I want to focus on today. It says right in the middle, because fear involves what? Punishment. That's right. So perfect love casts out fear. Fear involves punishment. I like to say it like this, uh, to give you kind of application, that, um, that when fear involves punishment, it means, you know, fear is like the idea, something bad going to happen. You got this feeling, something some bad going to happen. And that can really do a number on us. Amen to that one? So fear involves punishment. So if you think about that, I mean, how many, and I'm going to just throw some things out to you right now. Um, How many of you, when things are going good, you feel like "Ah, something's going to go wrong? Raise your hand. I'm just curious. Raise your hand. Be honest. Come on, you're in church. Yeah. Okay. How many of you in relationships? Be honest, because this, this is a common dysfunction I'm going to lay out right now to you. How many of you ever feel like when in that relationship that you're whether married or whatever, that something that you feel like, oh, no, I'm in trouble. It's a feeling. Raise your hand. I'm in trouble. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise it higher. Be proud. Be proud. Okay, good. Okay, good. No, don't be proud. But anyway. Okay. Yeah, that feeling, you know, I'm in trouble. Or how about this one, when, when Christian, I'm talking to Christians, when you sin and you feel like, oh no, I'm in trouble with God and I can't come to God because, you know, he's be punished or something. Anybody like that? Uh, raise your hand like that one. Except that the Bible says there's no, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the word condemnation, there's the idea there's no eternal judgment. So you shouldn't feel that one either. That's a feeling. That's not a truth. You follow me so far? Okay, so when you take these things right here, you realize that love can cast all of that out because, and by the way, it doesn't mean that a bad thing won't happen to you or I. The idea is that you're not going to walk around feeling and thinking some bad going to happen, some bad going to, you follow me? Bad things happen because we're in a fallen world, okay? But I don't walk around looking forward, expecting it. Even when it happens, I don't think life is over. I don't think it's, oh, it's come my way because I'm just a bad person. I don't think that at all. We're free of those things. Amen to that right there? Because that's perfect love. It casts out all fear. So hopefully that helps some of you today as we continue forward. Now, authority challenge. Um, I'm going to talk in days a week. Like, this is not really yesterday, which is Saturday. This is yesterday in Jesus' life in the last week. So yesterday in Jesus' life, he overturned the, the, the tables of the money changers 
And he cast out those buying and selling, right? He just cleansed the temple. The day before yesterday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that little foal of a donkey, correct? Everybody's screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna. Yesterday, when he overturns the tables of the money changers, he really puts a massive uh, uh, dent in the money-making operation of the temple because they're ripping the people off. Remember that one? So we've got Annas, who's like the Michael Corleone of the temple right here. He really is. He's, he's so corrupt. He's a spiritual leader. He's so corrupt. But he's just ripping people off on the, on the temple. And so now today, which would be here in Jesus' life, this is Tuesday. And so they're steaming. They're, these, these leaders, they're really angry. They're bitter. And they're upset with what happened yesterday and the last two years too with Jesus. But they're really upset over yesterday. And so they're bitter, they're angry. That poses a question, doesn't it? How many of us in this room are bitter and angry with someone over something that happened yesterday or last week or last month or five years ago? How many of us are still doing those things? Still, you see, what, what you gotta realize is when you hold on to bitterness, when I hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness, I really am stuck in time at that moment in the past. Am I not? Yeah. And that person that I'm angry and bitter at, they don't even know that they have taken up residence in my head. How many know what I mean? They have no idea that they now have power over me and control over me. They have no idea. But we're letting them have that because forgiveness means send it away because we're allowing it to continue in our lives. Now, the problem with that, you say, well, it doesn't hurt anybody. Uh, yeah, first it hurts you because like somebody said, um, holding on to bitterness is like, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, right? Okay, you got that one right there? Yeah, you see that one? Okay, so, so yeah, it hurts you. But when we carry bitterness and anger from someone in the past, someone in the present is gonna pay, Right? We're going to make somebody in the present pay. Not that person from the past. They're not in the picture. But somebody we're in relationship today, we're going to make them pay. They don't even know why they're paying. Any amens? They have no idea. Why, why, I don't know what's going on here. Why is there a crisis? Why are you mad at me today again? What have I done? They don't know that you are making them pay for what somebody did to them in the past. Could we do everyone a favor now and just forgive that person in the past so you can have a good relationship? Any amens? You don't have to create crisis. You don't have to get mad at anybody. You can actually have peace and joy and love in the spirit of God. Wouldn't you like that, anybody? I'd like that. So forgive. Let it go. These guys are holding on to yesterday. Now, they're angry. They're angry at Jesus. He has stopped their uh, mafia of crime syndicate on the Temple Mount, everything. And so now they're coming for a fight at the OK Corral. They're coming after Jesus. Now, remember this, that um, I said it two weeks ago, but if you went back to the Old Testament in Exodus, when they instituted Passover, because Jesus is the Passover lamb, but the original Passover, they would have to get that little lamb four days before when they were going to sacrifice him for the family. So the reason why they get him four days before, a couple reasons, is um, first off, they wanted to make sure that in four days that little lamb became the family pet and you kind of fell in love with the family pet. So it'd be very painful to sacrifice that little family pet. 
And that's a picture of, it's, it was painful to see Jesus sacrificed on the cross. Are you following me? Okay, that's one reason. Now, another reason why they would get it four days before is because they had to look, take four days to really inspect that lamb, to make sure that it's perfect because it had to be a perfect sacrifice, right? So you take that and you apply it to Jesus. It's the last week of his life and now they're going to keep testing him and testing him and they're going to try to see if there are any flaws in him, if he's not perfect. And so you see this magnificent parallel that's taking place. And Jesus has to pass every test. Jesus can't fall to sin. He has to be the perfect sacrifice for us imperfect humans. Follow me on that one? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I got three points today. I'm going to give you the what, like I do in this series. I'm going to tell you what's literally going on. Then I'm going to take the what, and I'm going to apply it to our lives some way because Scripture needs to apply to us in our lives today. Amen? So what we're doing is, is we're taking the what it meant to the original hearers, remember? Then we take that, what we know to be true, and then we take the application bridge into the present, and we take an application out of that for our lives today. That's the way you must do it. If you don't do it and you get the original interpretation wrong, then you get the application wrong. Are you following me? Because that's proper interpretation right there. Okay, here we go. I got three things for you. Hopefully it helps us somewhere in this today or at least gives us more information, but hopefully it gives us life. Number one, our most important quest is a truth quest. It's our most important quest. Would you agree on that one? Yes or no? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Look at verse 27 and 28. Here it comes. They came again to Jerusalem. And he, that's Jesus, was walking in the temple. So he's, now he's up on the temple mount, in that temple area. The chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. These are the big guns, guys. These are the big guns. Verse 28. And began saying to him, here comes the question. By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do these things? What they're asking is, who gave you the authority to do what you did yesterday on that temple mount? What authority do you have to be able to come and mess up the temple mount? You see, what they're really, what they're, what, what they're not doing is they're not asking the right questions. Because the right question would be, why are they ripping off people on Temple Mount? Any amen to that one? Amen. See, what they're going to try to do, and they're only going to try to, because how many of Jesus are a little too smart? It's too smart. So, they're trying to discredit him. They're trying to take away his credibility. When they ask him, by what authority do you do these things? Or who gave you this authority? Think of it like this. They're saying, hey, you didn't go to our rabbi school. You didn't go to our Pharisee school. You didn't go to our Sadducee school. You didn't go to the scribe school. You don't have any credentials. We don't know who you are. So where do you get this authority. Well, who do you think you are that you can do this? 
What they're telling them is, you're an outsider. You're not part of our system. We've never credentialed you. We, we, we've never stated that you're... No, who, who do you think you are? Now, now think of what they're doing here. When they should be looking for the truth in the whole situation, they're just trying to character assassinate him. Are they not? And that's what people do. And there's people gathered around listening to the conversation. So they're going to try to get it even more out on social media. Let's discredit this person. I mean, come on. I watch ID channel, okay? And those courtroom scenes when they show, mostly it's just about discrediting witnesses. It doesn't matter if the, guy, if the person's guilty or not. Any amens on that? It all, it's more and more. It's just discredit the witness, discredit the witness. And that's what they're doing right here. That's the fallen nature. Now, here's the big problem. They are asking him if he has a license to preach instead of trying to find out if what he's saying and what he's doing is true. They don't care about the truth. They just, they don't care about it at all. If you have your Bible, very quickly, and that's not in your notes, look back at verse 18. Look at their attitude. Chapter 11, verse 8. The chief priests and the scribes heard this and began seeking how to what? destroy him for they were what they're afraid of him and so now we know this attitude they have they could care less if he's telling the truth or not but truth matters it matters a lot like I said before the big question is they should have asked is it morally right for us to rip off the people on the temple but they don't want the truth they just want to keep whatever they got going on going on that's all it's about right here so let's take this idea that truth really matters and how people really don't want the truth today. And let's, let, let me try to uh, apply this. Um, oh, there you are. My son Nathan, he was, uh, we were talking a couple weeks ago and, um, and, and he told me uh, that he got in a dialogue with a, with a coworker. And, uh, and they were back and forth and, and my son Nathan really likes to use logic a lot he loves the word of God but he loves to use logic and and a lot of this logic remember that book by Frank Turek I gave you guys I don't have enough faith to be an atheist anybody bought that buy that book anybody none of you bought that book okay. <laughs> raise your raise your hand I don't have enough faith I know you bought it thank you you're the only one praise no somebody back there too it's a great book if you really want to grow in your ability to defend the faith I don't have enough faith to be an atheist by Frank Turk but Frank Turk's really into defending your faith and logic and stuff like that so Nathan's dialoguing with this person and Nathan's using logic to shoot down all this guy's argument without, without arguing because all you have to do is listen to what they're saying I call them the cultural cliches they're just a bunch of cliches out in this place out, out, in, out there in these days and, 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 and if you just listen it's a lot of I feel, I think it's cliches and how many know if you scream a cliche loud enough, long enough they think it's true and it's just it, not necessarily true so Nathan asked him the Frank Turk question and that is if I can prove to you that Christianity is true would you become a Christian? And the guy said, uh, no, uh-uh, no. And then Frank Turk's response always that is, see, people aren't on a truth quest. They're on a happiness quest. They just want to do what they want to do. They're not going to admit the truth. They probably know it is true here, but they're not going to do it. These guys, these Pharisees, 
They're trying to discredit Jesus. That's a left fielding move right there, taking the left field. But they're not getting to the truth. They don't know what the truth is. The first truth is stop ripping off the people. You're a ripoff, you're a con artist. But how many people are just on a happiness quest? I, no, I don't want the truth. I just want to do what I want to do. How many know that's right, right? See, truth, young person, listen to me, young person, because you might be the most vulnerable right now. Us older people, we're not going to fall for it. We've been around. How many, any amens, older people? Amen. Raise your hand. Okay, okay. This is my illustration all the time. Okay. Okay, j- just so you know. Listen, because you know climate change. Okay, but... <laughs> um, no, I listen to scientists, so I'm not mocking it. I know. I listen to real scientists. Um, I do. I, but I've already... Raise your hand with me, older people. Listen, watch younger people. How many of us have lived through two energy crises? We're running out of fuel in the world. 1973, late 73, and then somewhere about 75, I think it was the other one. They told us the world is running out of oil. Well, let's see. That was 48 years ago, the last one. So that was a lie. They did that just to do what? That's all they want to do, raise the price. That's what they did. And then remember acid rain? Ozone layer? Global cooling? Global warming? Climate change? See, young people? We've lived through all this phony baloney stuff. And you say, you don't believe in climate change? Yeah, Noah's flood. That changed the climate. Any amens? Yeah, and so there's little variations here and there, so I'm not denying that. But they do these things. Well, I'm not going to go there because you're going to think I'm cynical, and I am. (laughs) But I try not to be. So young people, truth is very important. Now, that's one example, but the truth of God's word is what I'm talking about, though. It's very important. And I could even prove to you from God's word that climate change ain't going to happen the way they're saying it. I could take it to Genesis and show you what God said. But I don't have time for that. I showed you that before. The most valuable thing you have, young person, is the truth. And this is the truth. Didn't Satan go after it in Genesis 3 at the very beginning? Hath God said? Didn't he say that to Eve and Adam, Adam and Eve? In other words, see, come on, did God really say that? And then she says, oh, if we eat it, we're going to die. You surely shall not die. What did he just call God? He's a liar. God's a liar. And that's what they're going to try to do to you, young person. They're going to try to destroy God's truth. There is truth. When somebody tells you, young person, there is no absolute truth, what's the question you should ask them? Is that true? Right? Because they just state it as an absolute truth. Is that true? And if somebody ever tells you, I have my own truth, you know what you should ask them? Do you have your own math too? Right? See how illogical it sounds? Okay, good, good. So truth, truth. Our most important quest is a truth quest. This should be your most important quest right here. This is the truth, and God stands behind it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen to that one? Good. Now, these guys are in a war now with Jesus that they should have never picked a fight with, all right? Point two. Here it is. If I get Jesus wrong in the beginning, I'll get him wrong from here on out. Right? Now, watch this. Look at verse 29 and 30. And Jesus said to them, here's my Jesus voice, I will ask you one question. No, I, I, I will ask you one question. And you answer me. Then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Oh, no. Can you imagine these guys now? And all the crowds right there. And they're like, oh, he's going to ask us a question. He says, what the baptism of John, that's John the Baptist, 
Was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? Answer me. Can you imagine? First things first. They asked Jesus a question. What does Jesus do? Yes, that whole question. Isn't that a great move? Look, somebody comes and says, there is no God. Here's what you tell them. Well, gosh, maybe I'm wrong. Could you give me the evidence that there is no God? Can you give me all the facts and evidence of that? You ever thought about doing that? They're the one that made the statement, right? So give it back to them. The burden of proof is on the person who made the statement, right? If you say Jesus rose from the dead, then you, better, you have the burden of proof of saying historical fact, this and that, of how and what you know about this, that it is a historical fact that he rose from the dead. Put the burden of proof back on them. So he throws the question back at these people. Now, by the way, when they start giving out, well, you say, what's your evidence for no God? They're going to go, well, I feel and I think. There you go. Hear what I just said? Listen for those statements. Because those are feel, I think, statements. They mean nothing. They mean nothing. Because what you feel can change with that pepperoni pizza tonight. Am I right? It just changes. So you got to know your stuff now. Now, So Jesus, they ask him a question. They, he throws... Boom, he throws the question right back at him. <clears throat> was the baptism of John, was that from heaven or was it from man? And now these spiritual leaders know they're in a pickle. And the crowd is there. Oh my gosh. Here's the biggie. That's the what. Here's the application. Jesus takes them back to the baptism, the water baptism of John in the Jordan River. Why? Why? I mean, doesn't it almost seem like that's a weird question to throw back, right? So why did he take him back to that? Because if you get Jesus wrong in the beginning, you get him wrong from here on out. If you get in a plane, a JFK in New York, and that pilot's one degree off in calculations to go to LAX, you'll end up out in the ocean about 40 miles away from LAX. Because you're one degree off. That's very important that where you start, get him right in the beginning, you'll get to where you want to get to. Amen? Let me, Jim, you want a, a stupid Jim Del Campo illustration of that? Okay, so some of you may remember way back I shared this, and some of you who were in my student ministries group back in the late 80s when I was a youth pastor, you'll remember this possibly. And if you've already heard this, just at, just at the end go, wow. No, I'm sorry. Okay. So I was 18 years old. Yes, I once was 18. And me and my friend, his name was Mark Lohais. He, good, good man, became a Christian. Uh, before I became a Christian, lived up in the middle of California. He, two years ago, he passed away from COVID. It was, it was a sad thing. Um, but we decided to go to Laker game. We live here in Corona. So we go to the Laker game. Back then, they played at the Forum. We didn't know where the Forum was. we got the tickets and we just took off we didn't even ask anybody how to get to the forum because you know when you're 18 you pull your ignorance together am I right because you know right so we just 
Come on, we're going to get there. It's out there. It's LA area. Start driving. And back then, young people, just in case you don't know your history, we didn't have Google Maps. Because you're thinking, oh, just look at your phone. <laughs> How many remember the maps you open up cover your windshield, right? Yeah, you, I can't see. The map covered the windshield. It was so big. You couldn't see. And so, okay, we didn't even have one. So we take off. We get out there. We don't know where we're at. We're in LA somewhere. We're trying to get the Laker game. And so we do what Google Maps was back then. We stop and ask who? A gas station attendant. Because, you know, they know. And we did that about three times that night. By the third time, we had to fill up our tank again. Because we're driving who knows where. And every time they told us where to go, it wasn't there. Now we are listening to the game on the radio. Yeah. And, and, I'm finally, and we're driving and driving. We cannot find it. Finally, we just get so fed up. And we just start driving that way, back, you know, towards this area. And we finally find a freeway, and we drive back home. I'll never forget pulling in 91 freeway when we get to Maple Avenue and Corona, the fourth quarter began on the radio. And we're holding the tickets in our hand. See, we didn't know. We didn't have any map. We didn't know where we were. There was nothing. We just took off figure we'll get there and because we did that we never got there right we got it wrong in the beginning and therefore we really got it wrong and it ended up costing us a lot that night here's my point listen closely somebody if you say Jesus well he's just a good teacher he's not God or if you say well all roads lead to God Or if you say, well, Jesus was just a man, and then because he did the right things and he was a Mormon, and he became a glorified, now he became glorified, and now he's, oh, he's the God of our planet now. And he's got a wife up there having spirit babies. Or if you say, oh, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, Jesus was created, he's not God, he's Michael the Archangel. Or if you say like the Mormons, oh, I'm sorry, like the Muslims, uh, you know, Jesus didn't die on the cross. God would never have his son die on a cross. It was Judas that died on the cross. If you start all those things wrong like that, you're going to get it wrong. Because Jesus is not just a man. He was the God man. All roads do not lead to God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. Right? Jesus wasn't a man and became glorified. He was the God-man who came down as God and took on a human body. Jesus isn't Michael the archangel. He created Michael the archangel. He's the creator of all things. Judas didn't die on the cross. Jesus died on the cross because you cannot have a sinner die on the cross for sinners because that would save no one. Jesus, the holy sacrifice of God, died on the cross. See, if you don't get that stuff right in the beginning, you're going to get it all wrong from there on out. If you're not saved, are you willing to take that risk? Are you willing to take the risk of believing a lie and you will never make it to see that Laker game in heaven? Are you willing to risk it all? Really? Because you're believing the cultural cliches out there. Or are you going to believe the Savior? You get Jesus wrong in the beginning, you get him wrong every, every step of the way after that. Amen to that one? Okay, good. Number three. 
Jesus overturns our personal tables. Now, this is, we don't like this, but this is a fact. Look at 31, 32, and 33. Now, watch. Jesus just threw the question back, right? Here's what they do they began reasoning among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Then why did you not believe him? But shall we say from men? Well, they were afraid of the people, for everyone considered John to have been a real prophet. So now they're going to answer Jesus. They answered Jesus. And they said, We do not know. (laughs) Jesus says, Nor will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus threw the question at them. They gathered together. That's called phone a friend. Here's their problem now, the baptism of John. If we say it wasn't from heaven, people say, well, John, they, hope, they think John's a real prophet. Oh, no. You know, so, and if we say, well, it was just from men, we, we lose the confidence of the people. Guys, go back and read your scholarly stuff. These guys, these Sadducees, all these guys, these people, they're not just religious leaders. They're politicians of the day. Go read scholarly stuff. Don't just go with what you feel and think. They're politicians. What do politicians want? They want votes. And now they're afraid of the people. And now you begin to see what's really going on. They don't really want the truth. They like their position. They like ripping people off on the Temple Mount. They're not on a truth quest. They're on a happiness quest. So when they turn to Jesus and they say, we do not know. Jesus says, since you didn't answer me, I'm not going to answer you. Mic drop. And Jesus walks away. Can you imagine that? Application. They say, we don't know. Are they telling the truth? I don't think so. I think they're lying. Okay. Here's what's cool. I really like this. Because you got to think of it this way. They asked Jesus, what was the opening question they asked him? By what authority do you do these things? Where's your credentials? What's your credibility here? Jesus asked them a question. They say, we don't know. Okay. Did Jesus ask him a spiritual question? Yes. Did he ask spiritual leaders a spiritual question? Yes or no? Yes. yes. There's, there are spiritual leaders and they are politicians, but they are spiritual leaders too. So he asked spiritual leaders a spiritual question. And what, are the, what was their answer? Oh, we don't know. Oh. So what did Jesus just expose on them? That you're in a position of spiritual authority, but you can't answer this spiritual question. Therefore, you have no 
authority to do the things you do. Did you hear what I just said? The very thing that they're trying to point out in Jesus is the very thing that he points out in in them. Is that awesome or what? I think that's so cool. Can you imagine all the people that are going, ah. You see, yesterday he overturns the tables on the money chain, right? They're not making Today he overturns their personal tables. Does he not? Does he not? But doesn't he do that to us sometimes? I mean, he does. He loves us. Sometimes he'll overturn my tables because, Jim, you got that wrong, Jim. See, the scripture says this right here. And he does it to all of us if we listen. He'll overturn our personal tables. Now, he's doing it to them to expose them. He's doing it to us to show us the truth about something we're doing, maybe not right or this, and we've got to get it right to live abundant life, to live the best life. Okay, now, okay, let me close. Let me close. I got two closes. I had to look at the AV room because they panic when I say that, okay? Okay, here's the first one. Where'd these guys go wrong? In that in that little exchange. Where'd they go wrong? The Pharisees and scribes and scribes and Sadducees and chief priests and, all, and elders. Where'd they all go wrong? I shouldn't ask a question. <laughs> I guess you could say that, but let me give you another thought, okay. Um, once Jesus asked the question, what did they begin to do immediately? And who did they reason with? Oh, themselves. Like me and my buddy pulling our ignorance together to find the forum. Am I right? Yeah. So they're pulling their ignorance together with the spirit. Who should have they asked the answer from? He's standing in front of them. Who should have they have asked for the answer? Jesus. He has the answer. He is the answer, right? This is where they go wrong. Isn't that where we go wrong? Uh, you know, I feel, um, let's say we're Christian. I feel, I think. This, no, 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 no. Here's the answer. You follow me? If you're not reading the Bible, you're just feeling and thinking, man. And you're just like these guys, and you're just reasoning amongst yourself. And you wonder why it's the same dead end? Or it's not as good as it could have been? It's right here. Any amens on that? So they went wrong. Okay. Second, here's my close, close. <clears throat> this is a salvation issue because will they come to Jesus as Messiah because if they believe it's the baptism from heaven John said he was the Messiah behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world it's a salvation issue guys now there are two things that kept these spiritual leaders religious people from coming to Christ in salvation you find them in verse 31, one there, and you find one in verse 32. Let me, let me read it to you. They began reasoning among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, then why did you not believe him? There's belief. Remember, believe. There's the first issue. Verse 32. But shall we say from men? They were afraid of the people, for everyone considered John to be a, a prophet. And now the second one is fear. Oh, so... Here's the two problems why people don't come to Christ. They refuse to believe, even though they know it's true. That's called pride, isn't it? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, so we got pride working. 
The second thing, verse 32, it says, they were afraid of what the people thought. So now you have fear, pride and fear. And how many people will spend eternity in hell because they're too proud to admit that Jesus is true or they're too fearful of what their friends or their spouse or their family or whoever thinks of them if they become a Christian. Do you see it? It's a salvation issue. At one point, you've got to admit it's the truth. Jesus is true. You can't let pride get in the way of it. Another point, you can't let fear run your life. There's no fear in love. A perfect love casts out all fear, for fear involves punishment. I'm worried about what everybody thinks. So you're worried about them? You're going to stand before Jesus one day in judgment. You can't worry about what people think. You can't be afraid of that. You can't let fear govern your life. You've got to come to Christ. And so... I, don't, I just don't know where everybody's at here. I don't know if there's unbelievers. I don't know where you're at. But you can't let pride, you can't let fear stop you from coming to Jesus. So I'm going to give you this opportunity. So I want everybody to close your eyes. No moving around, please. If, as you sit here today, if you're a person that says, you know, I'm not a follower of Christ, I don't think I am. But you know what? It makes sense. It makes sense. I need to come to Christ. Or you're a backslider and you've gone back out in the world and you and you know the truth but you're not admitting it out loud to yourself anymore well it's time to come to Christ time to come back for you who have never put your faith in Christ it's time to come to Christ for you who have backslid it's time to come back to Christ don't let pride don't let fear get in the way don't let it get in the way So I'm going to give you this great opportunity right now. Jesus did all the work on the cross and then he rises from the dead doing all the finished work. You don't have to do anything, but you just put your faith in him as God in the flesh, the Messiah, who died on the cross for you. And then you begin to follow him. You surrender your life to him because he's God. Don't reason among yourself like these guys do here. You follow him. Because the baptism of John was from heaven. The heavens part of that day. God spoke. So I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, today's the day. If you backslid, you need to come back to Christ, today's the day to come back. So with that said, as a sign between you, me, and God, I want you to open up your eyes right now if you'd like to put your faith in Christ, rededicate your life. Open your eyes right now. Look up at me. I'm going to look around the room. I'll look back. Once our eyes meet, you can close them, but do it right now. Do it now. Now I'm going to say this prayer. And those who looked up at me, I want you to say it out loud after me. Everybody's going to say it with you so that you're not saying this by yourself. But when you repeat this prayer, you put your faith in Christ as your only God, Savior, Messiah, the one who took your place on the cross and died for you to forgive you of your sins. Here we go. Everybody, and especially those who looked up, repeat now. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me on the cross. 
shedding your blood to forgive my sins. Forgive me of all of my sins. Thank you. I know I'm forgiven. It's all washed away by your blood. I surrender to you, Jesus. Today I follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. Now let me pray. God, I just pray for those who looked up. I pray you follow with all your heart now. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. Start reading the Bible. You don't have one, go to the lobby. The Welcome Center, they'll give you a free one. Start in the New Testament, stay there for a couple years and read about the one who saved you, Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, for this day, for your goodness to us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Stand up, everybody. Here we go. Repeat out loud to me with, with, with a lot of, okay? Lord, keep me outward focused. And fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church. Because I see what I'm looking for. And make me into a generous person like you. Hey, God bless you guys. We will see you when we see you. Have a great, great day. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.